0: real stories from moms and family members who have made it from struggling to wellness, and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Hi, welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. One of the important pieces of understanding perinatal mental health is putting it in context of culture, immigration, and other sociocultural factors. And I do believe, as we have seen and have seen myself, that when we use the culture to inform healing, a depth of relief and understanding happens. As a part of the Mom and Mind podcast, I really want to address this as much as possible, which can take a while. It may take a while because there are so many different facets to culture and different cultures to understand but my personal perspective is that motherhood is sort of defined by culture, and parenthood is shaped by the culture that we are in. And that can be anywhere from the country you live in, to the state, to the city, to the part of the town that you live in, to the family you grew up in, to the school you went to, any number of things that has shaped you throughout your life or has shaped a mother, father, parent throughout their life is going to be impacting how they parent or how they experience parenthood. And so today we're going to learn a little bit more about that from the perspective of Dr. Kendra Flores-Carter. And she's here to discuss perinatal mental health from the lens of Caribbean mothers As we've stated on previous episodes about culture, there are many, many different cultures uh, within the Caribbean and with any specific group we're discussing. So this is not meant to be specific or prescriptive on what to do for each and every person from that culture, but rather to inform us and have this information to keep in mind. Dr. Kendra Flores-Carter received her BA in psychology from Cal State Dominguez Hills her MSW from Cal State Long Beach, and her Doctor of Social Work from the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. She currently works as a Maternal Child and Pediatrics-Associated Clinical Social Worker. She's a proud researcher in the perinatal mental health field as well. Dr. Flores Carter received her certificate in maternal mental health training from Postpartum Support International and now works as a maternal mental health expert. She's a member of the Arrowhead Regional Medical Center Institutional Review Board and has several research projects in the works. She's done many trainings and presentations related to topics of maternal mental health. Dr. Flores Carter currently serves as a co-chair of the Inland Empire Maternal Mental Health Collaborative. She's an active member of Postpartum Support International and facilitates a free monthly postpartum support group for women and families on site at Arrowhead Regional Medical Center. Dr. Flores Carter was a recipient of the 2016 ARMC Employee Recognition Award for her efforts and work to improve maternal mental health care at ARMC and within the community. She also received the 2017 Golden Ida M. Cannon Award for her work to bring awareness and education on maternal mental health concerns to ARMC's Women's Health Department. So let's meet Dr. Flores Carter. Welcome, Dr. Flores Carter. Thank you so much for being with
1: us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate you giving me this platform to really talk about um, the experience of Caribbean moms um, within the United States. Yeah, I really, really appreciate you.
0: Yeah. And I appreciate you. I'm getting to, after having gotten to know you over the last several years and our work together, I just, I really value your perspective and I'm excited that you're bringing this specifically to the forefront now and, um, and starting a conversation about Caribbean mothers. I just think it's so needed. Um, and so we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but how about you start off with telling us about the work that you do now?
1: Okay, well, currently I um, work for a hospital in the San Bernardino County area. I am a maternal child and pediatric social worker, and I've been doing this work for about 10 years now. And I work in the women's health department, and I address a lot of the times women who struggle with maternal mental health concerns and, um, you know, issues surrounding given birth and issues that they have during their pregnancy relating to their mental health. So I just really am glad to be in, in an environment where I can really provide education resources and pretty much bring awareness to this very significant concern that many people really don't really talk about, especially within our community. It's really something that I don't think anyone ever brought up to me when I was a mom. Well, when I was, you know, um, pregnant, no one talked to me about mental health. So,
0: Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just to also let people know a, a little bit more, you know, about the work that you do that I know of is you've really implemented a lot of stuff within the hospital and pushed pretty um, strongly for there to be more advocacy and screening and um, for people to be given information that they do need, uh, maybe in part because you know how how it feels to not have the information, but also because you're such a strong advocate for moms. It's really amazing what you've done there. This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go. And that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert Uliana Urtube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast
2: app. That's Understood Explains. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilled Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Oh, thank
1: you so much. You know, I just a few years ago, I really wanted to um, provide the education because, even from my own personal experience, when I had my very first daughter in 2008. I don't remember ever being asked about uh, maternal mental health concerns or depression or anything like that. You know, I went in, I gave birth, and I left, and there were no resources. And the more I learned about maternal mental health, the more I wanted to do uh, within the hospital setting for my moms and for my patients. Because when one in seven moms are going to experience this, when we're a hospital that has 300 births on average per month and that puts a lot of my mothers at risk for a maternal mental health concern. So it was very, very important for me to implement something in the hospital that would address um, maternal mental health. So now all of our mothers get the education before they leave. And it's a mandatory part of their discharge planning is for us to provide education and give them resources before they walk out the door.
0: Oh, my gosh, that is Amazing. That is just amazing. Oh, you've done such good work. it's it's phenomenal. Um, congratulations on all of that. So and and just the benefits that that all the moms are receiving because of this education. It's just um, I mean, you're lifting an entire community by giving them this information. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, and yeah, it it is really amazing, and my patients are so grateful because many mm-hmm. of them they do come back and they're like, "Oh my God, you didn't do this like two years ago when I had my mm-hmm. my son here." Or it's mm-hmm. so amazing to see you're doing it now.
0: <laughs> so. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's so nice. So let's now get into uh, talking a little bit more about Caribbean mothers and what what you've seen and things that you understand about the maternal mental health concerns and those cultures, I should say.
1: Yeah. When we talk about the Caribbean, you know, we're talking about places like Jamaica, Belize, where I'm from, Aruba, Barbados, the Cayman Islands, Guyana, St. Lucia, St. Kitts, Trinidad and Tobago, and the list goes on. So there's a lot of people in the United States from those specific countries and other Caribbean countries. Yeah, And oftentimes, you know, we kind of get glory with black Americans, but little do people know that we're different in so many ways as far as our cultures are concerned, you know, um, and our language is a little bit different, you know, and some, for me, I speak Creole, even though the official language is English, there are some moments where people might not understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with, for instance, someone from Jamaica who speaks Patois, it's a lot different than the American English. And right. so that could be sometimes barrier to where people don't really reach out or they're a little bit more reserved in asking or seeking any type of help because they, you know, they're like, are they going to understand what I need or what I'm asking?
0: Are you speaking just specifically from a language barrier or language difference?
1: Yeah, I mean that as a whole. I mean, I I have a lot of people that I know that are from the Caribbean that are really even afraid to ask questions in the grocery store because they wonder if the people are going to understand. Mm what they're saying and so when I think of mothers in a hospital setting mm-hmm. are they really going to be more quiet and not really want to speak up because they might be a little bit afraid that men they're probably not going to really understand what I'm saying because you know I speak a dialect and I, I don't know perfect English mm-hmm. for many that still is a struggle for many people the perfect English is really difficult
0: so, wow wow yeah. Okay, so that's one of the challenges. I mean, there's so many different cultures that we're kind of, um, for for the sake of the conversation and bringing attention to the to the issues, kind of lumping a lot of different cultures into the into our discussion. But um, I I appreciate that you're differentiating that there there are differences across islands and across the Caribbean.
1: Yeah, there are significant differences, and you know, oftentimes, um, I mean, if I don't really open my mouth or speak and no one hears an accent. They just assume that I'm African-American and I'm not. And it's just like that for a lot of my other friends too. They're like, well, I'm Jamaican, but people, you know, they think that I am African-American as well, but we really are different. Our culture is different. The foods we eat is different. The traditions different. And so um, we assimilate a lot to the American culture, but we're still, rooted in who we are um, you know because that's what we grew up in and Mm -hmm. so it kind of it could get lost and a lot of the times, our identities can get a little bit lost and confused especially as it pertains to becoming mothers in the United States. So um,
0: wow I mean I feel like we could have a full episode just on that Um, (laughs) and and then also as you're talking I'm thinking about and something that you brought up before we started recording is, uh, you know, different cultural beliefs about maternal mental health. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's not a ton of research here in terms of understanding like on paper and statistics how this is affecting uh, women differently. But but you know that there are cultural differences. So what are what are some of the cultural beliefs about maternal mental health that you're aware of?
1: You know, too many times we as Caribbean people, we see mental illness as a whole as something that has to be severe, like it has to be severe and not necessarily like, you know, subtle. And, you know, when we're experiencing depression or symptoms of anxiety, those um, symptoms really sometimes just become like a normal part of existence. And, you know, women don't see it as them experiencing a maternal mental health condition, such as postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. They tend to look at those struggles as a normal part of motherhood. And it has a lot to do with our cultural belief that we really have to be strong. Mothers are looked upon as a person that really can do it all within the culture. You are put on this earth to procreate. I hear that word a lot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, you procreate. That's why God made you um, to have children and to really be the nurturer and really take care of these babies. And so when challenges come up and we're feeling overwhelmed, we really just don't say, okay, let me go out and get the help because this is not normal. Because oftentimes you just think that, you know, it's just a normal part of being a mom.
0: Mm. And that would be even more challenging just being in the United States. Are there other supportive practices like for you like, or for people that you know that people would normally be calling on in terms of support that they can't get here or aren't getting here?
1: Oh, yes. I mean, when we're back home, you have auntie, grandma, mom, everyone coming to help you when you go home after you've just had a baby. Out here, it's like everyone has to work in the United States. We all got to pay our bills or rent or mortgages, you know. And so a lot of the times the help that you would get if you were in your home country is a lot different from when you were here in the United States. I mean, for me personally, um, I I spent after the birth of my son, I spent two weeks at my mom. But I really wish I could have probably be there the whole like my whole maternity leave. Yeah. But of course, you know, everyone has to get back to their work. Everyone has to get back to their lives. And so a lot of the times, as Caribbean women, we have to really you know, assimilate to how the culture is out here, which is you get back up and you do what you have to do. And your problems really, you have to stick it through. And um, whereas back home, you probably have a lot more support if Mm. you were going through like um, postpartum anxiety or depression or, you know, you were experiencing something where you're tired and you need some rest. Someone will come over and watch the baby for you so that you can sleep. It's a lot different here.
0: (laughs) Wow. So, right, there's just not the same amount of support. Um, Yeah. And are you hearing that from other people that you know who come from other countries in the Caribbean?
1: Oh, yes. I hear that from a lot of my Caribbean friends. I mean, I have a a very close Jamaican girlfriend, and she has her mom come whenever she has a baby just to come from Jamaica to help her for that period of time. I remember when my uh, mother had my little sister, my grandmother came to the United States to be with her for six months.
3: Mm -hmm. You know, she had
1: that luxury, but not everyone has that luxury to have their family fly from a different country to come over here. You know, the problem with visas you know are they going to get a visa to come to be with you Mm
4: -hmm. do you have
1: the financial resources to have them come out here to help you most likely a lot of people they really don't so you really are on your own most of the time trying to figure out to cope and deal with whatever issues you might be having um, after you've had your baby or during your pregnancy
0: Okay, wow. So if, if in terms of the cultural beliefs about maternal mental health, if, um, what would be some of the things that, like, let's say, again, being very general, uh, a Caribbean mother might be concerned about for reaching out for support?
1: Um, well, like with every other culture, there's a the shame and there's a the guilt for even reaching out for help. There's the feeling that, oh my God, me asking for help, that's like a sign of me being weak. Um, But it's important for them to know that just, just reach out for help, ask for help, because there's other women out there just like you. And by you speaking up, you're encouraging all those other mothers who feel like they're alone to speak up even more. And I think for me, even doing this and having this platform, I feel like it's so important because it's like a secret. There's people mm-hmm. that go through it but they don't talk about it or they mm-hmm. feel ashamed to talk about it. And it's important for us to really, you know, express ourselves and really talk about what we're experiencing because we you know, as I've grown in this profession, I understand that when you are depressed and when you are, you know, when you have severe anxiety. You're really unable, even though you think you are, you're unable to give your baby what your baby really needs. And I Mm -hmm. think a lot of the times we think as mom that we are giving our babies everything, but really we're not when we're really overwhelmed and depressed and stressed out. Mm
4: -hmm. We might
1: feel that we are, but the truth is we probably aren't being the 100% mom that we want to be. And in the end, that could have a negative effect on our babies and how our babies grow up. So it's important that when you do feel that way, you ask for help.
0: So that you can get back to being that 100% uh, mom that you want to be, like you're talking about. Exactly. So, so right, the level of stigma and concern. And I think what you were talking about before, just um, maybe in terms of being... Depending on when you got here as an immigrant, um, how long you've been in the States, how comfortable you are sharing uh, this kind of information with other people. You know, I'm just thinking about the difference between someone who's been here for 20 years, uh, like maybe came as a kid and is having kids versus somebody who came last year uh, and is not yeah. used to this system yet, um, not not used to how things work and how difficult it might be for somebody who's here um, a little Um, Who hasn't been here as long.
1: Yeah, exactly. And there's, you know, there's the question of immigration because a lot of moms are here. They're here illegally. Mm. And so, um, you know, that's a big concern for a lot of people is that if I reach out, is immigration going to get involved? Am I going to risk getting deported? That's a big concern for um, a lot of Caribbean moms out here. You know, it's like, it's a struggle every day and then now I have this added depression or this added, you know, anxiety to mm-hmm. whatever it is that I'm going through. And now if I ask for help then I might have an, an added stress of immigration. And so that's what what hinders a lot of a lot of moms from saying, you know what, let me go and ask for some help. But what I wanna educate the community about is that that is not an issue. If you come to a hospital, immigration has nothing to do with you needing help um, and you getting the help that you need. You know, you can receive emergency services if it's necessary. And that has nothing to do with whether or not you get supported. And I think for a lot of people, whether they're here, you know, long or they just recently came, they still kind of have that mistrust for the medical system. And um, the behavioral health system because of that particular, you know, barrier for immigration.
0: Right. So you're not asking people right away. Are you? Uh, are you an immigrant? And are you here legally, or not? Um, that's, that's not something no. you're asking in the hospital.
1: No. No, that's not something you're asking, and you're you're gonna probably ask them if they have. Um, medical insurance or anything like that but if they don't and they really need treatment it's not going to be a barrier to say well you can't get you can't get help if it's an emergency there's you know they're they're not gonna do that like for me i worked within the county system at a county hospital and if you come here and you need help they're not going to turn you away because you don't have insurance and for the most part moms who are pregnant they automatically qualify for medi insurance. And they With, have that within, after the postpartum period.
0: Whether they're um, legal or not.
1: Yes. As long as you're pregnant, you automatically qualify for insurance.
0: Um, that's such important information to give people. I mean, you're speaking to that fear that that, uh, that just lays on top of all of this other stuff you have to worry about already. Um uh, hopefully, somebody who's hearing this can know that there's a safe place to go uh, when they're pregnant is go to the county hospital.
1: Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people they don't know that. You know, come into the hospital. Don't wait until it's when you're delivery that you're coming and get help. Apply for Medi-Cal. You can qualify.
0: Wow, that that's just. Uh, that's one of those things that, if you're new to the country, it could take years to figure out how the medical system works because it's so it's difficult for people who've been here for a long time to figure out how it works, and still, I don't even know all of it. Um, so certainly giving somebody that that information could hopefully r- help them a lot.
1: Yeah, that is the hope that you know they know that they can reach out and get the help.
0: Um, so what are the other culture-specific things that you've seen uh, with Caribbean mothers that either help or or make this um, pregnancy and postpartum more difficult?
1: Um, I think really and truly there's just the belief that if we work hard um, and we go through all the adversities or obstacles, we face them head-on and we just push through with resiliency that we're going to overcome all the hardships. Um, There's that strong belief that you just got to push through it no matter what, and you're going to overcome it. So I think that that's really rooted in our culture, that we just have to keep going and have this strong Black woman complex. And oftentimes it really prevents us from seeking the help that we need, especially in the times when we are in psychological distress or, you know, we're experiencing postpartum depression and anxiety. We really just feel like we just have to keep going, and we're going to get over it. We're going to get over it. And then you have family members, your elders in your family telling you, oh, don't worry about it. This is just a normal part of pregnancy. And that's because of the lack of education on what the signs and symptoms are for mental health, maternal mental health concerns. So it's like, you know, if you have your grandma and your mom telling you it's just a normal part of pregnancy, then you, you're you just going to go through it, you know?
0: Right. Are there other things that uh, that are e- either supportive or make things more difficult for Caribbean women around um, spirituality or understanding religion or spirituality in terms of maternal mental health?
1: Well, oh yeah, of course. There, You know, we're very religious. A lot of us from the Caribbean are very religious. I mean, I remember growing up in the church, like, you know, every Sunday, every Bible study, you just was always in the church. And um, I think when it comes to mental health concerns, especially for moms, maternal mental health concerns, sometimes we tend to think that, oh, man, maybe I'm not praying enough or maybe I'm not putting God first in my life enough or whatever the case may be. Religion plays a huge part in whether or not they feel need to go and seek services and um, oftentimes it can be a barrier to them going because they're thinking oh if I go you know am I do I really believe in God if I go and get help from a therapist Mm -hmm. my help should come from the Lord and only the Lord only because I trust and I have faith in him but what they don't understand is God bless people within our lives and within the community to become more experts. In certain things to help you when you are in distress. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the teachings that I really try to give people is that, yeah, you, you have your faith and you have your religion, but we don't know it all and we can't handle it all. And God sometimes bless other people with gifts that can help you overcome your struggles. And I think that that's an important piece to take home to a lot of the Caribbean communities that We don't lose ourselves in God if we go and seek help from a therapist. Hmm.
0: That's pretty powerful. I mean, it's a beautiful distinction, too, because you're saying it's not necessarily a weakness of character or a weakness in your beliefs um, to go get help.
1: No, it's not. It really isn't.
0: Uh, So then in terms of like other maybe traditional practices, and obviously, um, you know, we can't cover all of the Caribbean and all of the different types of cultural practices, but what do you think, can can you speak to what happens about the, you know, the cultural practices um, that people have around pregnancy or postpartum, and what happens when they're here? Um, You you know, often...
1: Yeah, oftentimes it, a lot of the traditions, they really, they get lost in the trenches because we have to assimilate to the way the culture is in the United States. So a lot of the things that we probably practice back home, um, we probably wouldn't do it here because we don't have access to what we probably need to do it. So a lot of the times we just kind of just assimilate and, you know, have a normal American, probably traditional birth, birthing experience, because it's really a lot more difficult if we're not back home in, like, for instance, in Belize or Jamaica.
0: Yeah, that just makes me think that um, for people who are really connected to their traditions, uh, not being able to engage in them here for any number of reasons, like you said, not having the, like the proper things to use for that tradition. Um, I was just wondering how much that would add to, you know, how they're feeling. If they're feeling bad already, how, how much more difficult would it be to not have those practices?
1: Yeah, I mean, I could imagine probably um, very difficult for most moms, especially if they're culture and their tradition means so much to them and it's so important to them you know um, I remember just when I gave birth that my mom really saying you cannot go outside you have to be covered up I mean those are little things that I can do here but there's there's more cultural things that's beyond just that. you know there's herbs that they probably encourage us to drink and um you know just different things that we can engage in throughout the birthing process and we just cannot do that here because it's so different
3: wow
4: Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.
1: Oh,
0: that's so sad. (laughs) I mean, it's, you know, just for people who really want to be connected to their tradition and who feel supported by that, um, and how empowering and beautiful it could be to be able to engage in those activities um, that they feel connected to. Um, it, it just seems like it would make for a better outcome for their their well being the mom 's well being the pregnancy or whatever at whatever stage they 're engaging in these practices um, that are specific to their home um, home country or yeah. like the strengths of of Caribbean women who have immigrated here. What have you seen are the strengths of you know overcoming these other barriers as you were describing and um, being able to be resilient and get through Um, these difficult times?
1: Um, Well, I think that just coming together as a community, I think, um, you know, reaching out to other members that are from different Caribbean countries and just really coming together. And I I hope to see that more um, as I grow in my career, coming together with more professionals that are from the Caribbean and really creating some kind of network for people that probably are just coming here that are feeling lost in the system they don't really know how to navigate and even just being here um, just being able to provide support counseling to people that really might not feel comfortable going to someone who they feel does not relate to their struggles as immigrants Mm -hmm. and you know just having that that support network and just being there for for, for people is really important. And, that, and that's definitely something that I would like to look further into because I think it's important. Um, most likely, you know, we see that there is health out there, but people really strive so much better when they are within a setting where they feel comfortable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, bringing people together could, could really su- provide the support that they need. What, if any, changes, positive changes, have you seen um, within the Caribbean, any Caribbean cultures that you're, you're familiar with?
1: Well, I can really speak on my culture being a Belizean mom. Um, I have seen uh, where more people are now really talking about their experiences um, with depression and with anxiety um, and I think that that's an important piece I've also seen where Belize as a whole is really making a presence for instance in the Los Angeles area mm-hmm. um, and I think that's important because for the new Belizean moms that are coming to the United States at least seeing that they can have some sense of home
0: mm-hmm. in Los Angeles yep,
1: with them knowing they're of Belizean people out there who are really welcoming and encouraging um th- them to you know really kind of keep the culture as much as we can even though we're not there mm-hmm. try to keep it as close to home being in LA as possible you know
0: that's right yeah that's right I mean just as a side note my mother-in-law is Belizean um, and my in-laws, um, part of them are Belizean as well. And I've I've seen um, just since I've known them, I've seen some of the community grow, or just even having more places to eat with the food you like yeah. and the food that's like from home is so
1: important. Yeah, I mean that's an important piece. I mean, I have my cousin right here visiting me, and she's like, you know what, I'll, i want to make some Belizean food because we've just been eating like mm-hmm. you know American food, and and she's been here for a few months, but she's like. I want some authentic Belizean food. So, you know, I'm going around trying to find our plantains and, yeah. you know, like the different foods that we can cook to bring Belize home. Yeah. But, you know, that's important. Sometimes you just want a meal. All right. That yeah. makes you feel like, okay, yeah, this is me. This is who I am. You know, this is my culture. Yeah. And it feels good. It feels good. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: Well, hopefully, like you said, that can keep expanding and, and community support can grow. I mean, I just, you know, even just you talking about this with us today and, and giving a perspective and, and having us think a little more deeply about Caribbean women and, um, what it might be like for them as an immigrant here, um, and needing and wanting to be connected to their roots and their culture. Um, it's so important just to be in our awareness. So I I really thank you for doing that and for sharing your experience and sharing the work that you do.
1: Oh, I'm so happy to share it. And I, like, again, I'm really appreciative of you giving me this platform because I definitely want to grow on it and really encourage just the Caribbean community as a whole, just reach out for help. There's people here that can help you. Um, you know if you want to get a hold of me I'm able to provide support that you need you know you can find me on Facebook or anywhere you know yeah and mom and mine you guys could find me now so you know I'm more than willing to provide education to my community the Caribbean community because I think it's so needed it, it really really is It
0: is. Thank you for all of your work and for being on with us today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you again, Dr. Flores Carter, for starting this conversation on Caribbean mothers and perinatal mental health. If you'd like to connect with Dr. Flores Carter, she is on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'll have all of her connections on our show notes. If you'd like to listen to more episodes of the Mom & Mind podcast, please go to www.momandmind.com where you can get links and subscribe to your favorite listening platform. Thanks for being with us. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com. Also, please subscribe and share this podcast. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Thank you for being a part of the Mom and Mind community.
2: I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood.
4: Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct.
2: Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom.
4: (laughs)